They've got players who looked lazy last night, didn't look interested. You know, there's lots of blokes getting lots of money there and uh, not much output. You want to challenge Richmond? Good luck. Bring your best game or you just get rolled over like everyone else does. Paul Kelly's with a Brownlow medal. Do you have it on display or is it tucked away somewhere safe? No, it is on display. Sid Jackson, welcome aboard. Thank you. So you put alongside some other great players. It's a great honour. Jim's given us a call from Warnable. I want to speak to Sellers about St Kilda. I'm here, oh, Jim. Marilyn's given us a call from Shepparton. I want to speak to Mark and ask him if he remembered leaving a big photo of himself in white bathers in a house in Mornington when he was in his 20s. A very show-off one, it was. <laughs> I hope maybe, Matt, you can adjudicate because I think that um, Mark's not going to like what I've got to say. I like it, Ian. You've bounced out of the corner. Righto, Sellers, over to you. Stay there, Ian. Stay there, Ian. Hang in there. (laughs) Now here's Matt Clinch and Mark McClure on ABC Radio and ABC Sport Digital with no excuses. Saturday afternoon footy from the MCG as round 10 of the AFL continues. It's Carlton taking on Hawthorne. It might be the perfect recipe for no excuses this afternoon after last night. The Lions on the rise with a 28-point victory over Richmond at the Gabba. So the Brisbane Lions move to third on the AFL table. Seven wins and three losses and suggesting that they're every bit the side, if not potentially better than what they were last year. So a big Saturday on Grandstand AFL on ABC Radio and ABC Sport. It starts with Carlton and Hawthorne from the MCG. Geelong and the Gold Coast Suns from the Cattery. Adelaide and the Tearaway Demons from the Adelaide Oval in the Twilight. The Western Bulldogs and St Kilda on Saturday night in Frio. And Sydney is the match from Perth. I'm Matt Clinch alongside Mark McClure. Sellers, welcome. Hello, Clinchy. How are you? I'm very well. I get the feeling you're a bit nervous as we come in. You no. see every Carlton fan and ask them how you think they might go today. Oh, well, it's nice to talk to them. Nice, nice to say hello. Nice to be part of what they're doing. And, uh, I mean, they're playing against Hawthorne or rebuilding. And, uh, and I, I'm pretty certain that Kane's looking for a competitive a game. And, uh, and I'm sure they'll give it because they were pretty good last week against a good side. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Melbourne have won 10 straight or 9 straight? Or 9 straight. 9 straight. So, yep. gee whiz, that's a pretty good effort. And I just had a look at how many games who we've, we've played against. The Tigers, we played Port, played Lions, played Dogs, played Melbourne. They're the top five sides in the competition. It might get a little easier today, hopefully. But no games a snack in this business. Mark McClure alongside Matt Clinch. You can join us, 0437 774 774 is the SMS line. You mentioned the CEO of the Carlton Football Club, Kane Little, has been good enough to come and join us on ABC Sport. Uh, Kane, thanks for your time. No problems. Afternoon, Matt. Afternoon, Mark. Good on you, mate. Given Mark's asked everyone else, uh, how are you feeling? You haven't had the best record <laughs> against the Hawks, I think one of the last 15, so it's a good day to try and right that wrong. I didn't know that stat, so thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Started on a positive. Well, you know, we've, got, we've got a lot of boys out there um, you know, who wouldn't have played 15 games against Hawthorne, so I don't think that stat will bother them. And I think Mark sums it up well. You, you expect to see a really competitive performance. Um, and I think he also articulated that, yeah, we've played, some, we've played some pretty good teams and been in games for long periods. Uh, today, you know, a, a team in terms of where we're at, these are the days we sort of just got to get the job done, simple as that. So that's how you see it from a confidence level point of view. You've played some sides who have been top eight sides and now you get a crack against a team that on paper you should comfortably beat. Well, on paper, I mean, as you read it on paper, but it never or it doesn't always work out like that. But I mean, to your point about having played some good teams, 
Salah's just peeled them off. Um, and probably when you looked at the fixture at the start of the year, you mightn't have saw the ladder sitting as it did now. But, yeah, we've lost six games and five of them have been to arguably the five better teams going around. And I think my view when I look at the ladder, I think those five teams um, are potentially a, a step ahead at the moment. Um, I probably think there's three at the bottom who probably expected that's where they'd be at the start of the year. I probably think there's another nine who are fighting for two spots in the eight. And I think that's where we're at. We're one of those nine teams. At our best, I think we're, we're good enough to be able to step out and, and, and above that group. Unfortunately, we, we just haven't been able to string four quarters together and consistency is an issue. And when you've got a group just building cohesion, um, unfortunately, that stuff happens. And, you know, I get the frustration from the members. I'm sitting there watching it too. No one's more frustrated than me. Fitness levels. Some of the guys came, um, is, is Williams fit? Because there's questions about him. He's played on a half-back flank mostly in his life. He goes in the midfield. It's a hard work in the midfield running back and forward and back and forth. Yeah. Is he fit enough to do that? Yeah, well, whether he's categorically fit enough to run that out for a game, I'm probably not the right person to ask. I think it's fair to say he had an interrupted pre-season. Sure. He was in the process of moving from Sydney. He had family in Albury. We had border closures. He had niggling injuries. He was up and back a couple of times because he wanted to be with the family over Christmas. And then he's had the, the sort of niggling calf. I think if Zach was sitting here and you said, hey, you're peak fitness, I, don't, I, don't, I think he'd say he's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've got a great team in there led by Andrew Russell, and, and we're really confident that... Um, you know, that they'll, they'll work on him and, and put as much work into him as you can while the season's actually operating and we're playing him at the same time. You finished 11th last season, seven wins and 10 losses in a, a challenging season in the hub. Have you seen the improvement? You mentioned Zach Williams there. You also picked up Adam Sard in the off-season. Have you seen the improvement that you wanted to see to try and take that next step and, and be one of those sides that competes in finals? I think at our best this year, you can definitely see the improvement. And I think those areas that we're falling down, I can see what we're trying to do. I can see the structure Teague's trying to build. We haven't quite got it yet. That that's what happens through these phases of learning. You know, Teague's only coached, I'm not even sure he's coached 40 games yet. So in terms of building those, that, the way he wants to play, that, that's gonna take, that, that's, that takes time. Um, as I said, when things are going well, it looks good. Unfortunately, we haven't got the consistency there for four quarters. And when it falls over, it can look bad. Kane, you're at Richmond when they had their fumbly time at the, the start of about 14, 15, 13, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. How did it change? Tell us how it changed and can you do the same sort of thing? Can this club do the same thing that they did? Yeah, well, what, what they did is they, they stuck by the senior people around that club and, and they were confident that they had the right people around the club um, and they continued to show belief. Um, and, and they were confident that they were on the right track, and to their absolute credit, they were proven to be, they were proven to be correct. And I think it's a good lesson for everybody, and you know, I don't want to go into other teams, but you look around the AFL now, and there's teams close to the top of the ladder who, you know, people have been suggesting maybe mm. they weren't on the right track the last year or two. They hung in there, um, and they've, they've been able to peel out the top. So, so good on them, and I hope at some point that's exactly what we do. Do you actually ever seek outside sources to help you with different things like inside inside the club? That we're not, we're not all good at everything, and no one is, but uh, people like uh, leadership groups and bits and pieces and how you teach them to get better as a person. Yeah. Well, look, all of us within senior roles have people that we, that we talk to to help ourselves get better individually and mm. to equally help us be able to improve our football club. So absolutely that happens. It's good. It's what we need to do. Because you come in as a young man from somewhereville, and all of a sudden you come out as a, a supposedly a really good person. Yeah, that's yeah. what it should be like. I agree. The similarities between Richmond and Carlton in terms of big Victorian clubs who have high expectations. Can you see similarities around supporters who are impatient who want to see it today, and, and how you try and keep everyone committed and connected on the same page? Yeah, look, I, I, I hate trying to compare clubs, but it's difficult not to. I mean, there's. <laughs> 
there's the, the, the quintessential big four that everyone talks about, and, and effectively there's two of them there, and you know, both of them for, for long or extended periods didn't have any success. Big supporter bases and high expectations. Probably even more so at Carlton, given the fact we've won 16 premierships. You know, people like the man sitting on my left, you know, played in premierships and, and went through eras where you were, you were playing in grand finals every, every other year. Um, you know, the, the game's changed. The, the AFL have set rules up to ensure that doesn't happen. And, oh, um, stop it. We- <laughs> yeah, and I'd like to think we've now adjusted to that. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I look around the club. I look at the senior people we've got in senior positions, both on and off the field, and I have great confidence. I look at the backbone of our list, both in our men's and our women's program, and I have great confidence. So now it's, it's about being able to block out all that external noise, focus on your plan, and, and, and keep showing belief and confidence in those people. Do you actually, uh, you, may, you need to have a look at uh, Harry Maguire, you need to have a look at Walsh, you need to have a look at Wittering, the, the youth of this group who are going to be the backbone of this football club for some time, the next uh, 10 years or so. Uh, when do they start to uh, be looked at in contract-wise and, and long-term ones? Yeah, well... I think it's fair that you're probably only fair you throw Charlie Kernel okay, in there. He's the same age group. We haven't seen well, him for a while. if he turns up, he might be okay. Yeah, well, Ch- Charlie and Weeders are both... They're, they're both extended out for, for multiple years to follow. Um, Harry, he's obviously in his last year at the moment. And, you know, it's really exciting when you watch a, you know, a potential star emerge before your eyes. And I think that's what we've seen this year with Harry. Um, and, and ultimately, we've prepared for that from a, a TPP perspective, and we have no reason to think that um, that Harry won't be a long-term Carlton player. And um, the other one I think you mentioned was Sam Walsh. Sam's yeah. contract contracted for next year as well. And you know, when the time's right, no doubt Nick Austin will will start talking to his management group. But I have great confidence in in that group, and I don't I don't I don't fear that any of them are looking elsewhere. Um, I think they can see what what I can see, uh, and I think it's going to be a really exciting place to be around. The voice of Carlton CEO Kane Little with us on Grandstand AFL. Um, you mentioned TPP there, and there was obviously a fair bit of media reporting around Patrick Cripps. Uh, is his deal close enough to done? Look, as I've said a number of times, our, our message from his, his management group is he, he hasn't been and won't be speaking to anybody else. Um, he has told us on numerous occasions how much he loves the club, how committed he is to the club. There's been ongoing discussions with, with his management group um, and I expect at some stage in the very near future that, um, yeah, that there'll, that there'll be an announcement. I'm supremely confident that that deal will get done. We've seen some of the stars of the game demand five-year-plus contracts. Um, what's the club's approach in terms of trying to get the balance right with some of the, the leaders of the, the club who you hope will be around for a long time? I think balance is the, is the key word there. So in terms of a term and the, and the monetary um, commitments that a club makes, it's about balancing those out. So they're all discussions that are going on with, with Patrick and his management group and, and, and obviously our list management team. But, um, you know, we, we have felt all along that in terms of the discussions we've been having, they've been very balanced and, and very fair. And the other one on that conversation would be Harry Mackay, who's leading the Coleman medal. I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of clubs who would be ringing to sign, find out if he is gettable. Um, how confident are you that he'll be in the Navy Blue next year? Oh, look, again, uh, you speak to Harry, he couldn't be any more happy at the club. Very confident in, in the direction we're going. As I said, he, he's emerging before everyone's eyes and he deserves to be rewarded for that. And um, we've, we've catered for that in our planning. And as I said, Nick Austin will again work through that with his management group. Kane, the coaching area which we look at and it's part of the football department, we see other clubs like Goodwin puts in uh, Choco Williams and Alan Richardson and really help them uh, with what they've done. And then you've got Noble with Paul Ruse who comes in and does a little bit there. And then you've got Don Pike who went to Sydney uh, to help John Longmire. And you can see the difference in, in having two of those who have actually coached at the highest level. Is that a, is that a chance for, for the Blues to do? 
Look, we've got we've got some very senior assistants um, who provide Teague great support, as it's now been widely um, reported. Teague's got a great relationship with John Worsfold, a, a premiership coach yep. who who he's lent on as a mentor, and we chose to make that official because we re- we really wanted Wusha to be able to spend some time in and around the club, and unfortunately. Uh, when you've got a premiership captain and coach, it's very difficult to get him into your club and around your club with, without people starting to ask questions. So it was better to be transparent that he's in an official mentoring role and we wanted him to be able to provide some feedback, not only to Teague, based on Teague's questions, but equally on his observations. So we're, we're really confident we've got great support around around David. Um, look, I'll, I'll, I'll get on the front foot about some of the commentary around us um, potentially speaking or looking mm. to speak with... With other with other um, with other individuals, whether they be coaches or other administration roles, I think if you listen to the commentary at the moment from the coaches, I sort of think Blind Freddie can see that that something needs to give in the soft cap. We've been cut back by forty percent. The expectation hasn't diminished. The the focus from the media certainly hasn't um, no, hasn't I slowed. I think everyone accepts the AFL included that that needs to be reviewed. So if there's going to be extra resources available, then I'd be disappointed if Brad wasn't out there scouring. Um, all areas of the football department to see what was available because if there is extra money available, we, we sort of want to be at the front of the queue. So in terms of who we are or aren't speaking to, as I said, we, we genuinely believe there'll be scope for us to start adding back into the football department next year. And I think 17 other clubs would agree with that. So um, no doubt, Brad, you know, will be um, out there having a look at what's available. So the CEOs have talked to the AFL about that? I think it's been brought up, primarily I'm hearing it being brought up by the coaches. We, we've got a CEOs conference early this week. Um, certainly some CEOs have been far more vocal on it than others. And to be fair, they've probably been CEOs of the bigger clubs who are, who are going really well, you know, with a really mature, established sure. football department that's performing well. To just rip 40% out of that overnight was, in, was incredibly difficult. It's interesting because I think you'd have more power than the coaches do because coaches sometimes complain about things and complain about this and complain about that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they complain about this and they go, well, we're not doing that anymore, you know what I mean? If you know, you understand where I'm coming from? I do understand what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> Justin Leppage's name is a name that's been mentioned. So do you feel like you'd like that person to be a senior person who could support David? Yeah. On multiple times publicly, I've stated that at Carlton, we want players, coaches and administrators to feel comfortable they can speak to our club. And those conversations will remain between um, between them and the club. Uh, and therefore, we don't speculate um, on who we may or may not be speaking to. So you could throw 100 names at me now, and unfortunately, I'm going to give you the same response on all of them. Um, what, I, what, I, what I will say, and as I've already mentioned, is I'd be disappointed if Brad Lloyd, given our expectations that there will be some more room created in the soft cap next year, wasn't out considering what, who was out there and what opportunities that could do to improve our football department. So Boys. he should be. So he should be. And Actually, we spoke to Don Pike last week, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Don Pike said, said a really good thing, I think. He came in and he said, I'm there to help John. Yeah. Not to take his job, but there to help him to help. Uh, grow these kids, and he, they've done a great job with those young, with the youth. They have, they have. Yep, full credit to them. Yeah, Kane Little, the Carlton CEO, is with us on Grandstand AFL. Um, the recruiting has obviously been one of the the challenges for Carlton when you have been a, a side that's been down the bottom of the ladder. So trying to get games and opportunity into high draft picks, the likes of a uh, Sam Walsh and a uh, Paddy Dow, alongside some of the, the senior players. Do you feel like Carlton have done that well over the last couple of years? And are you seeing enough from the youth which you've invested a lot in? Yeah, we certainly went to a number of drafts there and brought in a lot of top 10 draft talent. I don't think there's any dispute. We pivoted that focus in the last couple of years, last year in particular, to, to a more balanced approach where we now needed to target, uh, target players for, for individual roles and start bringing them in. Probably one thing I have noticed, um, in, this, is my, this is my fourth season at Carlton now, 
the the efforts uh, or the attractiveness of our club now to players at, at other clubs is far greater than it, than it was um, three or four years ago. And that's that's not potting anybody or pointing a finger at anybody. That's just the fact that we had to go through the hard times and you're not all that attractive when you're going through that. The reality is I think most people can now see um, there's a lot that's going right um, and there's a lot of young talent there and there is a gr- there's great hope and great belief. So we're probably finding it easier in those conversations with, with players that we're targeting now than, than we were three or four years ago. Is it still one of the overall challenges, though, about trying to pick the right player that fits your system and the style of players you need rather than sometimes the best young talent which can be available at the draft? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And that's that's what we're doing now. And Teague, one of the things we love about him, he's, very, he's a very attacking coach. He wants to play entertaining football. Um, and I think if you look who we brought into the club last year, it was really to support that, that way of playing. And we like watching it too. It's what people do. That's what the, that's how you get your money on Channel 7 and yep. all the other ones as well. Yeah. Um, the financial side of the club, I, I know this is yeah. probably the stuff that the CEO gets asked a lot about, the running of the club, even though Mark's crew would probably f- prefer to focus on the, the two to five on, on game day. But mm. uh, financially, how's the club going with the support of the AFL off the back of COVID last year? And you've had the, yep. the redevelopment of Princess Park as well. Yeah. I draw a really strong link between what happens off the field and two to five on a Saturday. Because history will tell you that generally clubs who get their off-field right and can maintain that for a sustained period and maintain their investment in their football program generally get the results. And unfortunately, success is a lag indicator of of getting that right and that investment. Look, the the off-field stuff, and again, I I need to give credit to our members here. What they did for us last year was just incredible. And we're in the strongest financial position we've been in for a long time. I mean, we paid our debt off this year coming out the back of a pandemic. That debt had been there for 25 years. We're now debt-free. We've got record membership. We've got a full suite of sponsors. We've got a $50 million master plan of Icon Park, which is now halfway through. So I sort of look back three years ago, you've got $7 million of debt and an, and an, and an ageing facility. You know, this time next year, we should have a $50 million facility fully paid off on the balance sheet, no debt, and potentially a couple of million dollars there. So um, the off-field stuff, largely thanks to our members and the great support of our, co- our corporate partners, um, it's in great shape. Kane. Okay. Now it's time to work on the two to five. <laughs> yep. You're right. But the, well, he's right. But, but the true. ability to continue to invest and yeah. it's just it's it's little things, Mark. Like yeah, you know, when you when you when you're crippled with debt and um, and yeah, you, seven you million get, is not a small number. It is. I mean, you get asked for your fixture request. I know. You, you're all you're focused on is getting the biggest games to, to keep the doors open. Once you've got that stuff paid off, your focus changes. So when you get asked for your fixture request. You think about it very differently. So there's a lot of there's a lot of little one percenters people wouldn't understand. Whereby getting the off field right, it really does help the on field. No, we're very proud of what you've been able to, to achieve as a group of people in there, and we understand that. But the, the bloke can't go home every every Saturday afternoon and brag to his mates how good his team is. No, he can't. <laughs> that's the no, problem. I, I <laughs> we, we, that's what, and, and we're on the we're on the path of that. And we, uh, you've got to know where you're at first before you actually can go oh, forward. Mate, and we all agree. understand that. I know? couldn't agree more. And this is the this is the most difficult part of the journey. I agree. Because this is the bit where everyone can see you're capable. I know. So they get the shits up when you don't deliver. Actually, um, we're on the ABC. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I get it. I get it. And, um, you know, I feel the same. And when you're not going so well and you're not delivering, the expectations are lower. The expectations are higher and, therefore, the focus is greater. And when things don't go right, it's a lot louder. We get that and we accept that. I've got one little question for you. Can you see some youth growing as the leaders in this club? I know I know Walsh is one, yes. and, he's, and, he's, and he's a really energetic bloke, and he, and he challenges and does all that. Is that happening amongst the group? I couldn't be any more definitive in that answer. If I look at the likes of Jacob Wiedering, Harry Mackay, Sam Walsh, Charlie Kernow, I think about those boys from what I saw four years ago 
to what I see now, that, that leadership is growing by the day. And, and I think, you know, Andrew Russell, who runs all of our high performance, but also is instrumental in working with our, with our leadership group, is, is doing a great job in terms of developing that, that, those leadership capabilities and that ability to challenge each other, which is critically important. I think it's unbelievably important because uh, the ageing ones are, are almost done if, you, if we come to that area. And they're going to take over and what are they going to do? They're going to push each other mm. they're gonna, and they're going to shove each other and they're going to make certain that they, they work harder and get fitter and tougher and stronger. And that's how it should be. Agreed. A couple of quick ones to finish with, Kane. Uh, I think it was three years ago your women's side played off in a grand final at the Adelaide Oval. It was a record crowd. Uh, reports yesterday that Taylor Harris is set to part ways with the club. Can you inform... Carlton fans making their way into the MCG, what the latest is there? Well, I'm probably a little bit disappointed how it's been reported um, because it, it's sort of been reported without the important facts. And in, in women's football, you have four tiers of players. Each club's allowed to have, I think it's two tier ones, who get paid roughly $35,000. So that's your best players to play football. On top of that, you're able to employ the girls in, in certain roles around the club and you're able to pay additional service agreements. Now, in the instance of, um, of Taylor, we, we actually employed Taylor um, like, uh, um, like we employed many other people last year. Unfortunately, as COVID hit, we were, we were forced to cut back our staff team, um, cut areas such as our NGA, which was significantly reduced by the AFL. So in terms of the, the contract sum, it's made up of a number of things. And, and yes, unfortunately, we weren't able to get to the same levels that we'd been able to get to in the past. And as a result, we fully understand and appreciate um, Taylor and her management's opportunity to be able to, to look elsewhere um, and I do agree, uh, Taylor's manager Alex Saundry mentioned in the paper that Taylor is worth a lot for what she delivers outside of football, I don't, I don't dispute that, where, where we're at right now I, I want to see premiership medals around Darcy Vessio and Karen Harrington and others next so our entire focus is on, is on on-field and winning premierships and as a result that's where, um, that's where our focus is so that has to be an incredibly tough and delicate mm. process to Incredibly. balance the mm. off-field promotion of the game with the, the on-field and the success because you can't be playing, paying extra money for someone to promote the game if they're not delivering on-field. Yeah, it is. It, it is incredibly difficult. And, and, it, and Taylor, by her own admission, would, would agree she, she didn't have her best year this year. Um, you know, and, and, and as a result, and, and given how things have unfolded and given the, uh, the not unexpected... Uh, interest from other clubs, which would be out there for a three-time All-Australian, we've just got to accept that that's, that's the way it's going to unfold. Is it, uh, is it taxing on the, on, the, on, the, on the money to run the girls, or is it, is it making money for you? Well, it, it depends. Short-sighted people would simply look at the ins and the outs and say it doesn't work, whereas people with a bigger picture in mind would mm. think, well, it's actually helping build your membership. It's helping build a future supporter base for you. It's, it's attracting additional corporate interest. But the other thing for us is, I talked about that, that, um, that redevelopment of Icon Park. Sure. That, that's largely been done um, with the support of government who, um, who genuinely believe that Icon Park can be the home of the best AFLW games, but equally um, understood and agreed with our commitment to, to gender equality. And I'm really proud to, to say that three weeks ago we opened um, our new brand new football department with a brand new set of men's change rooms next to a brand new set of women's change rooms. Same size, same quality. Same everything. So um, from, from my perspective, I look at that contribution from the government and think, well, that, that doesn't come about either without your, no. without your support and involvement in women's football. Kane, thank you very much. You've been fantastic. You've given us a whole lot of stuff that we, we, we didn't really understand or know. Mm. Uh, I think that people out there listening is more the point for us, for you and, and, and your club that, gee whiz, there's someone in charge who has some idea what they're trying to do. And, and what you said today was really good. 
Good on you, Kane. Thanks very much for coming no up. Thank Thanks, you. boys. Appreciate it. Kane Little, the CEO of Carlton, joining us on No Excuses. The full call coming up. Adam Ramanaskis and Alan Nicholson to jump in. There is that one late change for the Hawks with Liam Shields out. So uh, the Hawks making one late change and Daniel Howe coming in. Honey and Morris, the substitutions for this afternoon's catch. What a magnificent day to quote the late Drew Morford at the MCG for this autumn day with the sun beating down and a crowd expected of close to 40,000 for the Blues and the Hawks on Saturday afternoon footy. The Blues just need a win in any way possible. The Hawks would love to continue the upset. Stay with us on Grandstand AFL.